Hey, welcome to another edition of The Sick Podcast with Kelly Singh. I'm your host, Kelly Singh, and we're going to get right into it. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Kelly Singh. The sickest Arizona Cardinals podcast. It's going to be sick. Sick, sick, sick. Welcome back to the sickest Arizona Cardinals podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Singh, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Just kind of doing a little bit of a state of the union, state of the team. Um, as always, it's an adventure when you're off with me. I'm finally back to work and on my quest to find a place to record. <laughs> so today, you're in a scary hallway with me, testing out some sounds, some lights, as we talk about the Arizona Cardinals. I know that we are winding down with OTAs, and I have brought my very favorite special guest, Donnie Druin, Cardinals beat reporter, SI.com. Donnie, welcome to the scary hallway. Yeah, thank you. I, I know I say it every time I come on. I really enjoyed the intro, but now that DeAndre Hopkins is off the team, it might be time to find a different one. Oh, I know. I had to have a moment of silence for that. Um, yeah, it is my very favorite intro of any podcast I've ever done or any podcast I've been a guest on. It's exciting. It's fun. And that is what we do here at the Sit Podcast. Today, I'm coming to you from a scary hallway in our warehouse here at the Trophy Smack building. So if you hear any banging around, straight swear words, yelling at people, um, I am on the warehouse side. I thought you were in a UFO. I could be in a UFO. It's very well lit in this spot. It's cool in here, but there's also like an electrical panel. So, such is I life. I don't know. Such is life. But we're not here to talk about my recording area. We're here to discuss what is new. As we're winding down OTAs with the Cardinals as we go into this next season, I, um, I'm i going to throw a curveball at you um, because there are some weird theories floating around before we get into actual facts. I'm ready. Theory number one is that uh Kyler Murray won't be with the Cardinals very much longer. That stacking up all of these draft picks um, is their way of saying we want someone from the 2024 class. We'll probably have the first pick, plus many, many other early round picks. And um, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from the Cardinals community. 
what are your thoughts? What have you heard? What could you speculate? This is not fact, total speculation. Right. Um, I think you look at what the Cardinals have done through the last few months in the offseason, and regardless of what happens at the quarterback position, I think they wanted to position themselves very nicely for 2024 and moving forward. Now, whether that's with Kyler Murray or somebody else, I think we really won't know until next offseason. I don't think the Cardinals have made up their mind whenever it comes to his future. I do think they want to see him under center in a new offense, healthy rebounding off of that torn ACL. But, that, you know, you, you talk to a lot of former players who have torn the ACL, and they'll tell you it takes normally about a year after you get back on the field to really feel like yourself again. So maybe mm-hmm. even whenever Kyler does come back, whenever that might be, we may not really get to see Kyler at 100%. And, you know, that might be a detriment to him. It might be in, you know, his best interest to not play next year. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of theories flowing out there. I do think we see Kyler next year, um, or or at least for the upcoming season, when I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll talk to a couple media members, and they seem to think that he'll come back early, like week four, week five. Um, And then you talk to other media members, and they seem to think that he won't come back until, like, the second half of the season. Um, nobody knows. And the Cardinals have done a very, very good job of like throwing the Coca-Cola secret recipe away in Fort Knox and just not letting anybody close to, you know, what they think or what they believe. Um, as far as the future, as far as 2024 goes, as far as maybe getting like Drake May or Caleb Williams, I don't think that decision has been made yet. I think they put themselves in a great spot to where if they feel like they needed to, they can absolutely take one of those guys. But if they like what they see out of Kyler, you can easily add a couple more cornerstone players with what everybody seems to be thinking are going to be two top five picks. Right, exactly. Um, that's kind of, I mean, I'm on the fence. I, I see how that could happen where they're just, you know, they need to move forward. He's not necessarily been the franchise quarterback. And I mentioned this on my podcast, um, previous to this one, I think it was last week, maybe the week before. <laughs> um, I mentioned that I got lost in like a sea of time where, it felt like we had only had him two or three years, but no, oh no. Um, it has been, this will be year five, right? I believe. I think so, and, yeah. And he, yeah. He struggled to stay healthy and that's probably why it feels like he hasn't been around super long just because, you know, he, I don't think he's played a full season. I'm probably wrong on that, but like he's dealt with injuries through each of the last like three or four seasons of his career. And I have been a staunch Kyler like supporter. I'm not throwing him out, um, you know, with the trash or anything. It's he's a, I, I believe I gave these stats and I should have pulled them up. I gave them in my last show. It was like a two time pro bowler and um, he got us uh, to the playoffs one year and um, rookie of the year, I believe. So it's not like he's a bad quarterback. He's had a bad run of luck. And after five years, you would think that it would be on the level of um, not on the level of 
But when you think of like a Patrick Mahomes, for instance, who um, came on young and grew with the team, we don't have that. You even have like uh, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Sure, there has been bumps, there have been sicknesses, there have been injuries, but they there's no speculation as to whether or not he's a franchise quarterback. Whereas when you look at Kyler Murray, it's like, shoot, like this is kind of do or die. So all of that to say, maybe he does come back sooner than expected to kind of cement that and, and say, I am the quarterback I can play or is it to come in later and preserve health and even get picked up by another team that doesn't have a quarterback and make sure he's fully healed. There's so many, so many speculative things. I can, I can tell you that people in the building are very impressed with how his rehab is going. Um, Kyler is a very competitive person. He wants to get out there as soon as possible. That's just kind of who he is as a football player. Um, and where that balance kind of comes in, Kelly, is you have that side of things. Then you look at the, the front office side. You don't want your franchise quarterback rushing back at all. Right. The last thing you want to do is, especially with the significant financial investment that you have in him now, you don't want to rush him back and then have further damage to the ACL or any other injury for that for that standpoint. But um, one thing we do need to remember is they've been very, very supportive of Kyler. I mean, they flew to you know to uh, watch his stats unveiling. Um, they've been very, very vocal about how they believe the guy. We also need to remember that that's just talk. These guys right. are not married to Kyler Murray. They did not draft Kyler. Um, you know, in, in practice, he's not their guy. So if they feel like a guy like Caleb Williams or Drake May next year can give them a better opportunity, which if they are truly rebuilding, which they are, um, getting a young, talented quarterback on pennies on the dollar compared to where Kyler Murray is, far younger, um, more so fits that rebuild in terms of just what they want to do moving forward, as opposed to already having that guy with all of that money sunk in. I know a lot of people think it's going to be hard to tread Kyler Murray. The fact is that there's going to be a handful of teams that believe they're just one franchise quarterback away, like we saw with the New York Jets this year and Aaron Rodgers, who are going to make a move for a quarterback that believes that they'll get them over the hump. That totally makes sense. Um, speaking of QBs, we do have our own little QB battle, whether it's four weeks, six weeks, 10 weeks. We have to start somebody. Initially, all the talk was Colt McCoy. Then we bring in rookies. Then we bring in free agents. Whoever we're bringing in, all the things we're bringing in. I personally am a David Blau fan, but it could just it's hard not to be right. Fundamental. He's such a likable person. Um, and uh, where where do you think we are on that? Is there any insight based on early camp on who might be starting? I think Colt McCoy has the leg up right now only because he I feel like he's seen everything known the man whenever it comes to what a quarterback can you know potentially see in the NFL. He's done it for so long. He's been in so many different systems. Um, if I had to pick a day one starter right now until Kyler Murray comes back, it's probably Colt McCoy. Um, Clayton Toon seems to be doing fairly well. I haven't gotten to watch a lot of him at OTAs. Um, we do have mandatory meeting camp coming up next week, so maybe we get a little bit better look at that. Um, but, I mean, everybody is pretty high on Clayton Toon for where he's at. 
Um, obviously, it's very easy to say that when it's not live competition and it's just helmets and shorts and T-shirts and stuff. Um, to your point, David Blau had a very nice cameo last year for the Cardinals, and I think that's why they kept him around last year. I, I think it's probably why they they gave him the nod just to see if they had anything, knowing that Kyler was going to be missing some time in 2023. So um, I don't think, obviously, with Kyler, it, it is what it is with the injury. You know, you can't really expect to go five and one or like six and zero oh during uh, you know his spell whenever he's out. I think they're going to give the keys to a guy who knows what he's doing, who has been through the muck, has, you know, seen everything there has to be son. And I think that's Colt McCoy. Yep. I think you're right. I feel like it's too comfortable for them to not start Colt McCoy. Um, I don't, I'm just a fan sitting on the sidelines, uh, wishing for something other than a Colt McCoy, but he is the standby. He's the old faithful. He knows the players. He knows the team. He knows the coach. Well, not knows the coaching staff. Brand new coaching staff. And see, that's <laughs> if if you're making an argument for Clayton Tune, and obviously preseason they'll have three games to sort this out a little bit better. But if you're making any argument for Clayton Tune, if this was under uh, Cliff Kingsbury and his staff, mm-hmm. Colt McCoy would be the guy. No mm-hmm. questions about it. Um, right. But everybody's starting from square one with Jonathan Gannon with Drew Petting as offensive coordinator. So, you know, McCoy doesn't have that favoritism. McCoy doesn't have that um, that extra leg up more so than he already has on guys like David Blau and Clayton Toon. So I, I think this battle will go down to the preseason. Um, if Clayton Toon performs extremely well, it wouldn't shock me at all. But, I mean, everybody seems to think McCoy's the leader in the clubhouse, and rightfully so. Yeah, I agree. It's not to take away from him at all. It's just... Sometimes it's fun when we have so much talent, and I will use that word. We have so much talent to choose from to be that backup quarterback on the Cardinals. I think we're fortunate to have that kind of depth um, in a sense of the backup for the backup, I should say. Not a lot of teams have that. Um, So I think that's the one thing that makes it kind of fun looking at this season and at least seeing how some of these other guys might perform. Um, so let's change topics going into the draft. There was a lot of talk. I know you and I talked a lot um, when you were going to the draft, you were sharing your um, observations and we talked a lot about finding the right edge. And that was going to be a big deal for the Cardinals this year. And we ended up with Zavin Collins playing edge and uh, what are your thoughts on that? That wasn't my ideal first choice, but I'm excited for it. I feel like the franchise is excited for it. What do you think? They seem to be really excited for it. Um, I thought Zaven played fairly well as an inside linebacker last year. I thought he took a major, major step up from his rookie year. Um, handled the green dot duties, what was the mic for the defense. I thought he did extremely well in that role too. Obviously still a very long way to go for him to reach his potential, but you, you liked what you saw in 2022. So to move him from the inside linebacker spot to an edge rusher, interesting to say the least. My biggest question with that is, is that going to be a full-time thing or is that going to be like a, what we saw from Micah Parsons last year where Micah Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys, played a little bit of inside linebacker, played a little bit of edge, just kind of that like chess piece along the front seven that Dallas could use. Um, 
the cool thing about Jonathan Gannon and his staff is they will not tell you what they are doing at all. Like no hints, no anything, whatever it comes to unveiling anything about the defense. Um, could they play a four, three? Could they play a three, four? I don't really know. I thought it was interesting since they're moving Zayvon Collins to the edge. They still took an edge rusher round one after having guys like Cam Thomas and Maje Sanders already in the fold, but they did lose Zach Allen, JJ Watt, Marcus Golden too. Um, interesting to say the least. I haven't seen Zayvon in that role, so I, I really cannot give like a fair assessment either way. They seem to be really confident in him playing that position and where that kind of gets me thinking is if Zaven is going to play off the edge and Isaiah Simmons is going to play with the defensive backs who he's been practicing with all throughout OTAs and it's kind of tipping their hat to where, Hey, like he's not going to be an inside linebacker on, on this defense. You have Kaiser white and Chris Barnes. And that's basically kind of it. You have Owen Papo, the, the team's day three pick as a weak side linebacker, but you're not going to throw him in, into the mix right away unless he really, really looks that good. It's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts for this defense. And I know people like to get caught up on what exactly the Cardinals are going to run base wise. But I think if I've learned anything over the last couple of weeks is that they're going to throw so many different looks, personnel formations. They're really not going to have a base defense, at least from what I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, everything you said lines up with my thoughts. It feels like, we got a lot of new people filling in on defense. What's it going to look like? Again, are those picks for next year filling in for defense again? Uh, will we make the rounds through free agency next year? I hate that I'm already looking at next year. It's such a weird place to be in. But at the same time, you hit the nail on the head by saying um, the kind of the cool thing about the Jonathan Gannon regime is that everything is almost a surprise, which is maybe what makes it fun for us as fans is that we don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen and it's probably going to be really fun to watch. At least I keep using the word fun, but at least I'm not sure that's how I would describe the upcoming entertaining. Uh, depends on how you look at it. <laughs> painful? I know, I can, Are you on the I, painful side? I think Cardinals fans will really, really enjoy Jonathan Gannon on the sidelines because I think he knows there's this like underdog label placed on his team and he's just ready to get out there and coach. Like he, he reminds me so much of Ted Lasso just in terms of the, the positivity, the energy, just his overall thoughts, the way his brain works. Like he's very, very adamant that they are going to win football games this year. Like he's not taking no for an answer. He's not punting on 2023. I, I think the Cardinals aren't going to win a lot of games in 2023, but Jonathan Gannon will be damned if they're not going to be competitive. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what I'm excited about. And maybe that's what the general fan base is excited about. You, you're always going to have like, I don't even want to call them super fans. I would say they're not super fans. They're people who want to see competitive football and they happen to live in Arizona and they're just throwing the season away. Well, sure. We're probably not going to be that competitive in the terms of win loss column, 
but it's football. It's fun. You're supposed to enjoy it and go out and cheer for your team. And we have a top-notch coach building a top-notch coaching staff, starting from the ground up, basically, with the team in general. So it's an exciting time to be a fan if you just let yourself be yeah, a fan. Yeah, there's, there's so much that can swing either way. Um, a first-time general manager in Monty Austin Fort, who admittedly so has done a phenomenal job of rebuilding the Cardinals from ground zero and working his way up. A first-time head coach in Jonathan Gannon, a first-time defensive coordinator, a first-time offensive coordinator, um, a largely inexperienced staff. There's not a lot of experience on the staff, but there's a lot of energy and hope. And, and that's I think- what I love, Donnie. Like, it is... It's, it's exciting, and I say building a top-notch team because I think he really believes in the men that he's brought up to give this opportunity to. No, he does, and the cool thing is that the players believe it too. Like when you talk to these players after practice, they're bought in. They are bought in, and you know it's just it, this goes far beyond football. But like energy is contagious, you know, and so when you have a guy as your head coach and Jonathan Gannon, who is just like nonstop 100%, like 100 miles per hour going balls to the wall. Guys pick up on that. They like, it's impossible to feel down or negative or bad in the work environment like that. When your leader is just every single day ready to show up to work. For sure. Exactly. I mean, that's how I try to lead my team. <laughs> sure. 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 It's true. Um, Yeah. Well, I think there's only one more topic I really wanted to hit on with you today. Um, We discussed a little bit about what is going on with the wide receiver room now that DeAndre Hopkins is officially gone. I wrote a little piece on this myself, but it was mostly focused around fantasy value and Marquise Brown and, uh, too long didn't read is that he's going to be fine. I think for fantasy value, he's going to be the target share. I believe whoever's throwing the ball doesn't matter if the Cardinals are hello drill sound. doesn't matter if the Cardinals are a competitive winning team or not. The quarterback receiver relationship is what matters in fantasy. Now, how does it matter? across the whole team and target share amongst wide receivers. Yeah. So the, the good thing with Colt McCoy potentially starting in week one, moving forward is that he has a little bit of that rapport with Marquise Brown, with Greg Dorch, with Rondell Moore. So um, not exactly a like start fresh from day one kind of feel to it. There's at least a little bit of chemistry there. Um, Clayton Toon starting is whatever, but like just when you look at the, the receiving core, Obviously, losing a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is going to impact any receiver room that he leaves. But I think you're right. I think Marquise Brown is going to be just fine as a wide receiver one. I am really interested to see how they use Rondell Moore. Um, Because it felt like Cliff Kingsbury only used him beyond the line of scrimmage, maybe three yards, and only on like jet sweeps and screens after that. And it was frustrating because on the very few times where you did see Rondell Moore run actual routes and, you know, go deep downfield – Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Right. He's still my like, okay. exciting. Right. 
So you have him. You have Greg Dortch, who seems to be a very, very underrated receiver. Uh, Micah Wilson is impressing a lot of people during OTAs, uh, the rookie receiver from Stanford. And then you have Zach Pascal, too, a, a big-bodied guy who is willing to do a lot of the dirty work, too. So um, I, I don't want to write off the Cardinals receiver room in 2023. I, I think there's still plenty of talent. Uh, Marquise Brown, I think, is set for a very big year. He knows it's a big year, too. It's the final year of his rookie deal. He's looking to get paid. He wants to make sure Hollywood is very much still in the bright lights after 2023. Rondell Moore feels like he has something to prove. Greg Dortch feels like he has something to prove. And I think we, at very minimum, have a hungry receivers room here in Arizona. Totally agree. Again, 100%. And speaking on a fantasy value level, all of those things still apply um, in order to be relevant. Greg Dortch, I think, is the one most on the bubble being, I think, the oldest and at least the most veteran player. And, um, you know, sadly, players age out. So he wants to stay relevant as long as he can and at least continue to pick up contracts. So I think we'll definitely see some kind of talent show at the very least on an individual player level. Um, And this has been nice. Next week, I will be back in Phoenix at my little home closet studio, which is not noisy or dusty or awkward at all. (laughs) Or gray. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for tuning in again this week. Um, I hope to be back now full-time weekly once the season starts. We'll pick up again two shows per week. Hopefully, I'll be able to pull in Donnie every now and then, as I have been my favorite co-host. We'll have some Cardinals fans on again this season. Uh, Yeah, I mean, just really expanding our guest list. I would love to be able to bring in some of the women in um, sports. I've been making a lot of great new friends, even among top network people. So we never know who might show up this season. So be sure to tune in the sick podcast with Kelly Singh. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly and Phoenix. Follow the pod at sick pod Kelly. Follow Donnie at Donnie Druin on Twitter. Ask us your questions. Give us your reactions. And yeah, see you next week. Bye. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Kelly Singh on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.